Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. It's so nice to have you here today. Happy 2022. I had a wonderful little winter break to myself and I'm really looking forward to getting the year going with y'all. Thanks so much for being here today. I have a huge topic that I want us to unpack today and that is one of issue fatigue. But before we get into that, I feel like I have to share with you the results of our Eco Chic Wrapped survey. Survey results were actually a big motivation in today's topic and will be a major guiding light for me as we plan content in the new year. If you're not interested in the survey results, you just want to start talking about issue fatigue, you feel free to scroll ahead a few minutes. But as someone who advocates a lot for transparency and research and data and blah, 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 all the things I always tell you guys about on this show, I am really excited to share these results so that we as a community can better understand what we're interested in, what we want to learn about, and what we find valuable. If you filled out the survey, thank you so, so, so much. I really do appreciate your input. And if you did not fill out the survey, but you're listening to the show, you're interested in supporting the show, thank you so much for being here. Really just having folks care about this show and be interested in what it is we're putting out when it comes to climate science and sustainability means so much to me. Let's get right into it, shall we? The first question on the survey, what are your favorite topics to learn about in general, not just about eco-chic? The results of this question kind of surprised me and also kind of didn't. The number one answer was climate change education topics, so general climate science information. The next most popular answer was climate-related news or news podcasts, which I thought was really interesting. So I will be thinking more deeply about creating shows and creating content that's more dynamic and responsive to what is actually happening in the world of climate change. And then the third most popular answer is the one that really surprised me. And the third most popular answer of what are your favorite topics to learn about was mental health and psychology. So I am thinking very deeply about that intersection of mental health, wellness with climate science and climate change. We have had a few conversations in the past about climate anxiety, both with guests and just on solo episodes. So it's a topic we've explored, but I know that there's so much more when it comes to this intersection of mental health and science. So I'm going to continue to dive deeper into those topics with y'all. We had some survey questions that were more logistical to help me out with the admin of the show. When do you most often listen to podcasts? It seems like the majority of us listen to podcasts later in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What is the ideal length for a podcast? The most popular answer was between 30 and 45 minutes, which was really good to know. I like to mix up the length of the episodes that I put out. So some of our longer conversations are 45 minutes. Some of them are 60 minutes. The call-in episodes are always about an hour and 20 or so. And then our solo episodes are usually like 15, 20 minutes. So it's good that you like the variety, but the sweet spot is 30 to 45 minutes. And again, on the admin side, logistical side for how I like to connect with y'all and how y'all connect with me, 
How do you like to engage with other podcasts you listen to? By far the most popular answer was following on social media, but I was surprised to see that the number two answer was newsletters. I used to have a newsletter and I frankly did not think all that many people enjoyed it or found it valuable, so I haven't put it out in probably about a year, but maybe I will bring back the newsletter. And some of the open-ended comments I received on this survey were also really supportive about a newsletter. And I was also really surprised to see that newsletters scored higher in the survey than even videos of podcasts, so long-form YouTube on podcasts, or short podcast interviews, I'm thinking like Reels or TikToks. Newsletters was still more popular than all of those. So really good to know just for my own sake of how do you like to consume this content and be aware of it. We had two questions about different types of episodes. We asked a question about book club. How frequently do you prefer to listen to book club episodes? And it was almost exactly evenly divided between the three topics, once per month, once per two months, and once per quarter. So I'm really glad that y'all like book club. And on my end, it seems like book club episodes do really well. I get great feedback on them. And in a selfish way, I love book club. It keeps me accountable. It allows me to connect with someone else in the industry and have a casual conversation. And if y'all like it and I like it, it's like, why not keep up book club? But I'll tell you the secret. The hard thing about book club is getting folks to commit to reading the book within a month. So I have a hard time with guests and I have a hard time scheduling those episodes because it is so fluid based on when me and the guest finish the book. So I think we're going to move book club as opposed to being a once a month, especially just so I can keep up with it. We're going to move it to a twice a month frequency for book club episodes. That means we will have six books this year as opposed to 12, one for every month. So I'll keep you posted on that. I still owe you the braiding sweetgrass episode, and I hope that is the next episode that comes out. So that will be to wrap up last year. And then I believe our next book will be Let My People Go Surfing. And I will announce that on social media, but I will also share more about that particular book in another episode. Let's get back to the survey results. Next question was about uh, Chic Shots Colin episodes. And it seems like y'all really enjoy Colin episodes. They are usually some of my most downloaded episodes. And I thought it was really cool to see that for the most part, we are indifferent to how frequently we listen to these audience Colin episodes. Chic Shots, if you're new around here, typically feature three to five community members. And they're speaking for about 10 minutes on one central topic. So we had a Pride Month sustainability episode of the intersection between LGBTQ identities and environmentalism. We've done episodes in the past about culture. We've done episodes in the past about career. And it's a lot of fun for me to connect with y'all. And it's a lot of fun to share different perspectives all on one central episode. And something that was really cool about that response of how frequently we like to listen to She Shot episodes is that one of our favorite people to listen to, our favorite guests to listen to, are, quote, regular people. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the next question in the survey is, I like listening to podcasts with guests that are dot, dot, dot. The most popular answer was actually academics and professionals in the field. And then the second most popular answer was regular, quote, unquote, people. So that gives me some belief that we really like Chic Shot episodes as well, even though we're indifferent of how frequently we hear them, we like to listen to regular people sharing their experiences. And then the third most popular answer of guests that we enjoy are authors, which I thought was awesome because I love to talk to authors too. I had an open-ended question of some of my favorite podcasts besides Ego Chic, of course, are, and it seems like a lot of us listen to a lot of heavy news, NPR, the daily reporting investigation type shows. There is 
so many responses with true crime podcasts. I almost couldn't believe it. I think it's so funny that we are all fascinated by true crime. And I'm trying to brainstorm a way that I can intersect some true crime with environmental stories. And maybe there's a way to do like an environmental case files. I've done some episodes on super fun sites, which are really cool, like interesting environmental crimes to look back on. So I'm brainstorming, I'm marinating. If there are any suggestions for like cool environmental crimes that we could cover on some central episodes, y'all let me know, reach out because I feel like that would be so much fun. And then there was also a lot of more science-based podcasts that y'all responded with. So How to Save a Planet, A Matter of Degrees, Political Climate, The Ologies Podcast, and we had a lot of lifestyle podcasts. I Love You So Much with Kenzie Elizabeth, Anything by Betches, more general lifestyle content, which I thought was cool too. So it seems like we have a variety of interests, but a lot of us overlap in our interests. It was a lot of very, very similar answers, if not the same answers. And we're all generally interested in the same like pockets of podcasts, which is really cool. The last question on the survey was just simply open-ended. Do you have any additional comments or suggestions to make the show better? And I have to say that I am so deeply thankful for the thoughtfulness that y'all put into these particular responses. I got some really great support on making complex issues more manageable. People really seem to like data. People really like digestible research and connecting news and everyday science into digestible topics, which I thought was awesome. I got some really specific feedback, like I said, about newsletters. I got some specific feedback on discussions and accessibility, general topics that we like to listen to. I got some conflicting comments, of course, some folks that said, less product-based conversations, and then some that said more entrepreneurs. So I thought that was cool. It's just about balance. And overall, I just have to say that I'm so deeply thankful for a platform that allows me to speak freely and be so deeply myself while still educating and sharing this information with a lot of people on the internet. So thank you so much again for being here. And thank you so much again for filling out the survey and just simply supporting the show, telling your friends about it, rating and reviewing, all of that fun stuff. I appreciate you so much more than you even know. Now that I have been talking for nine-ish minutes, let's get into today's episode. Let's talk a little bit about issue fatigue. This is a topic at that intersection of mental health and environmentalism that I think is very often overlooked and perhaps watered down as a true concern for a lot of folks. And this is an area that I'm quite passionate about. I talk very generally about decision fatigue, both in my personal life and I think here on the show. And decision fatigue is this true fatigue. I mean, that sounds like exactly what it sounds like. It is a moment of just being so tired of making choices that you're happy to go along with whatever else anyone suggests, or you're happy to just like not make a decision for a few days. I didn't really understand the severity or the possible severity, I suppose, of decision fatigue until I experienced it firsthand sometime last fall, right around COP, right around a lot of big changes in my life. I got a new job and moved. Again, COP was happening. There was just a lot on my plate at once that required a lot of very specialized attention. And I didn't really understand decision fatigue until I was able to speak freely about it with my friends. And I was just like, you know, I'm happy to do whatever you guys want to do this weekend. You pick where we're hiking or you pick where we're skiing or you pick where we're eating for dinner. I'll go along. I just don't want to be involved in making any choices. And I hadn't really experienced that before in my life. And then once I started speaking about it openly, I realized that there are a lot of people that struggle with this, but feel like it's just them being 
lazy or them letting people down or them just not showing up as their best self. And that is quite false. I started researching decision fatigue more deeply as I do on my little Wikipedia rabbit holes. And I started becoming a lot more familiar with this topic of issue fatigue. And while decision fatigue seems to be something that you need to take care of yourself and you can come back and operate at your full capacity when it comes to making choices, issue fatigue is a fatigue that is more consistent. It's one that you kind of have to live with because it's an issue of capacity. So I want to talk very high level first about these words, issue fatigue. Why are there issues that we just don't care about? And then in the environmental conversation, I want to go one step further. And let's look at this from the perspective of why do people just not care about climate change? Based on my research, I want to go ahead and preface, I am not a psychologist, but based on my research, there are two big buckets of barriers that prevent you from caring about climate change. The first one is distance. The barrier of distance is one to say that climate change feels like a far off issue or an issue that you are physically removed from. Climate change is an issue for Antarctica. It's an issue about the polar bears. You don't feel like it's happening to you. You are, again, mentally distanced from this problem. And then another major barrier of just not caring about climate change is that of capacity. You're worried about other things. You're worried about money or work or family or whatever it may be. Things in your life need immediate attention. And climate change is something that you can put on the bottom of your to-do list. It's a problem that you can deal with later. So capacity is a barrier that prompts issue fatigue And distance seems to be a barrier that justifies issue fatigue. Now that we've differentiated the two barriers, I want to go deeper and connect why we have both distance and capacity as major players and why we feel issue fatigue, particularly in the environmental conversation. So thinking back to these psychological barriers, distance connecting to having low capacity, there is some sense of low threat when it comes to climate change in those senses, low imminent threat. Climate change is not a bomb dropping tomorrow. It is not the apocalypse. It's not like your beaches are pristine this week and then they're totally gone next week. And someone out there is yelling at me, I believe it, saying, this is the apocalypse, Laura, like get it together. It is the end of the world. But to that, I gotta say, bestie, that fuels the fire of climate change being seen as a political issue. And we don't want that. We want people to understand climate change as something that impacts absolutely everyone, whether they have the capacity or willingness to care. So we've got to meet them where they are. We don't necessarily need everyone to believe that climate change is ending the world tomorrow. We just need them to care a little bit more. We just need them to care enough to vote for folks that are going to be enacting climate positive legislation or carbon taxes or impacting their local government. We just need people to care enough. And now let's talk about those of us that already care. Issue fatigue more specifically within the climate space, within the climate community. When you already care about this very large topic that is climate change, you're faced with a whole new issue of what do I do? You could recycle, you could go vegan, you could organize protests, you could call your senator every week, you could go plastic-free, you could only shop secondhand. You've got a lot of options to show that you care. And they're all worthy options, they're all respectful options, they're all important. 
and they have even more nuances within each of them. So why is it that every vegan is not calling their senators about animal cruelty? Why is it that everyone who is a secondhand shopper, someone who is a thrift advocate, why do they not all also recycle? This is where we're going to talk again about capacity. At some point, we literally cannot care anymore. You are doing your best. And every day you get a little bit better, your best gets a little bit better, but perfect should never be understood as an achievable goal. There is no such thing as a perfect environmentalist. In the very, very early days of this show, I remember speaking with someone about zero waste lifestyles and something that I've always really thought back on is this quote that was, zero is an asymptote. You are always trying to get to zero, but you will never actually hit zero. When it comes to the climate conversation, it's the same thing more broadly. You can try your best to be a great environmentalist, but absolutely everything that we do impacts the environment in some way. So there is no such thing as the perfect environmentalist. And coming to terms with that is really powerful. It is something that gives you so much freedom to have grace and compassion for yourself. In a lot of our lives, particularly I'm thinking in the wellness space, there's a lot of advocacy around balance, and that is beautiful and powerful and absolutely necessary. But within the environmental space, we don't really talk about balance all that much, and that's something that absolutely fuels this concern of issue fatigue. If I may, I'll give a personal example here. Pre-pandemic, I was living a very low-waste lifestyle. There was a point where I didn't even have a trash can in my kitchen because all I really did was recycle and compost. I was really committed to it, and in turn, I was eating mostly whole foods because I wasn't buying any like plant-based protein or animal protein, anything wrapped in plastic or packaging. And so I was living what I believed to be this quite pure life when it came to living plastic-free and living as low-waste as possible. The pandemic hit, And everything was in plastic. I could not get into my bulk bins at Sprouts. The compost drop-off area at my CSA was shut down from the public for a while. There were so many things in my life that prevented me from living in this quote-unquote perfect way that I had designated for myself as ideal. And so I was forced to purchase plastic. And what else did that allow me to do? justify the purchases of plant-based meat products. I had never had like a fake chicken nugget before. And once I had one, I was like, wow, what a life I'm living of freezer meals once again. And that sounds like such a silly thing to kind of allow myself, but I was living in a very restrictive way when it came to plastic. I had other concerns such as not catching coronavirus in the early days, pre-vaccine, pre-everything. And I was tired. I was exhausted. I was mentally drained. And I was like, I just don't have it in me to care anymore. And allowing myself the space to live a little differently and not beat myself up because I was now acquiring bags and packages, that's grace. That's compassion. That's me recognizing that I needed something else. And maybe that's a really low-level example. And maybe that is an example that you're like, well, Laura, that was a really extreme space. But even more broadly, the examples I gave earlier of Why doesn't every vegan recycle? Maybe they don't feel like they can. Maybe they're so concerned with animal cruelty and doing what they can to alleviate that space that these are folks that just do not have it in them to care about whether or not they've sorted their soft plastics. 
And by no means am I saying that you should pick and choose your environmental causes. By no means am I saying you have to be only one type of climate advocate or only one type of environmentalist. That's not the point. The point is to say that you can care about all of these things, but you don't need to be perfect at all of these things. Every once in a while, as much as I love to advocate for secondhand shopping, I buy something new because I'm looking for something specific. Does it mean that I don't care about the rights of garment workers if I'm buying something new as opposed to secondhand? Does it mean that I hate supporting local business if I am buying from Poshmark online as opposed to a local thrift store? Absolutely not. And even putting these scenarios out there, again, it sounds a little silly, but that's kind of the point. It's to put this in our face to say, you are beating yourself up sometimes, you know, not to project, but you're beating yourself up for things that all of us experience and from a distance perspective, all sound like really silly things to be feeling bad about. And with that, I will encourage us to go into this new year open-minded, compassionate, patting ourselves on the back, applauding our wins, celebrating ourselves, still always striving to be the best version of ourselves we can be, the best environmentalists we can be, the best friends, the best sisters and daughters and community members and advocates that we can possibly be. You are doing your best and I'm proud of you. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Eco Chic. Thank you for joining me as we embark on this new year and this new journey together. And thank you again for all your input moving forward. I'm really excited to get this show going in the new year. You can always find me online on Instagram at Eco Chic Podcast. I am also on other social platforms that I will link in the show notes. And I will have my email in the show notes if you want to get in touch. I can't wait to hang out with you next week. I feel like I have so much to talk to you about and so much to tell you. And I just have a great, great feeling about 2022 here on Eco Chic. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. My heart can't take no more.